The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at this saying and wondered what sort of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said, How can this be? Since I am a virgin, and he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the child born to you shall be called Holy, the Son of God. For even your cousin Elizabeth is also conceived in her womb, and this is the sixth month for she who is said to be barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel left her. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Father, we believe that you inspired your servant Luke to record these words, and we believe these words not only had power in the day that they were written, but these words have power this day because they're inspired by your Holy Spirit. So we pray, Father, send your Holy Spirit to open this word for us, to open our ears, that we would be changed more and more to be like Christ for the sake of the world. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Mary bears... Jesus Christ into the world. And the church today follows after her pattern. Mary bears Jesus Christ into the world and the church today follows after her pattern, bearing Christ to the world. It's easy to forget Mary's humble origins because she is now the most famous woman in history. Mary, we can easily forget, begins as a relative nobody. We're told in verse 27 that her name is Mary, nothing else about her, not even a house to mention that's worth mentioning. Her only aspiration is that she's being married into the Davidic royal house through Joseph, her betrothed. But she's not just a nobody, but she's from nowhere. She's from Nazareth. It's this backwoods area of the Holy Land. It's an area that was not well known for its morality, its spirituality, or really that much of anything. That's why at the end of John chapter 1, Nathaniel finds out that Jesus, the rabbi, is from Nazareth and says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Mary's a nobody, it seems, from nowhere, and for the purposes of a birth story, she really 
Doesn't seem to have anything to offer. A nobody from nowhere with nothing to offer. Three times we're told she's a virgin. And yet this is supposed to be a story about a child being born into the world. But see, that's exactly the way God meets all of us. Nobody's from nowhere with nothing to offer. God in his grace comes and enters into our lives and makes something out of nothing. That's what we call grace. It's interesting what the angel says to her, right? Verse 28, greetings, O favored one. Favor, it's the word charis in Greek, grace. Greetings, O graced one. Or for some of you, depending on your background, hail Mary, full of grace. But see, the challenge can be when we hear, oh, favored one or full of grace, we can think, oh, so God had been waiting for 800 years since the prophecy of Isaiah, finally, for someone to finally arrive on the scene who had enough grace within them, was filled with enough favor that he could then finally bring his son into the world. That's not what this word means ever in the Bible. Grace always means that which is unearned and undeserved. Mary is full of grace. Mary is a greatly favored one because God has filled her with grace. A nobody filled with everything, the very presence of God in order to accomplish God's purposes in the world. This is what grace is. God taking nothing and making us into something because of his gracious love. But you know what's amazing for our purposes today is that you and I also bear Jesus Christ into the world. Mary is unique. She's the proto-apostle, the first sent one. She is truly what we call in Greek the theotokos, the God-bearer. Mary has a unique role in salvation history. She alone can be the one who's called the God-bearer, who bore God into this world. But you and I, in our own ways, both small and large, as the church, we too follow her pattern, bearing Christ in this world. We follow her pattern. We look to her life and this extraordinary moment of the Annunciation and see in it our own story. It's interesting in verse 35, that that most vital verse where Mary says in verse 34, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You know what's amazing is linguistically, it's almost identical to what the church hears from the risen Lord Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They're virtually identical. Because the calling in our life is to do just that, to pattern our life as the church exactly after Mary. She bore Christ to the world and we too in the power of the Holy Spirit today bear Christ into a dark, broken, needy, 
desperate world. And as we look at this passage today, if you turn with me to Luke chapter one, we see how it happens. How God fills us, the church, like Mary, with his grace. Mary is filled with God's grace in three particular ways in this text of the Annunciation. She's filled with the grace of God's presence. God is with her. But she's also filled with the grace of God's purpose. She's given this divine purpose in the world to bear the Christ, the King, into the world. But she's not just filled with the grace of God's presence and God's purpose, but she's filled with the grace of God's power, God's own dynamic, life-giving, supernatural, divine power fills her so that she can bear Christ in this world. And so we, too, the church, follow Mary's pattern. No wonder we esteem her. No wonder we venerate her. No matter we, no wonder we, we hold her up. Because she, her life, this enunciation, is a picture, a pattern, a model of how the church is to live its life, filled with that same grace of God's presence, God's purpose, and even, yes, God's power to bear the King, the Christ, Jesus, in this desperately needed world. See, first, Mary is filled with the grace of God's presence, and so are we, the church. Verse 28, the angel says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. That phrase, with you, Emmanuel, as we see from the Isaiah 7 reading, God with us. This is the central claim of what it means to have a relationship with the living God. That God is not just in existence, but God is with his people. It's interesting in Exodus, when you look at the story of Israel being sent out when they come out of Egypt in the wilderness, in, in the uh, Egyptian slavery and then are going into the wilderness with God, it's amazing to read about how they journeyed and how they set up their camp. It was all about declaring that they were a people who had God with them. That's how they understood themselves. How they journeyed and how they even set up camp. Listen to Isaiah, uh, um, Ezekiel, Exodus chapter 40, verse 36. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. What that means is that when Israel journeyed, they journeyed as a people following behind the cloud or pillar that represented the presence of God, that indicated God was with them. That's how they journeyed. And whenever the cloud or the pillar of fire would stop, they would set up camp. And how would they set up camp? They'd build the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the place of worship underneath the cloud or underneath the pillar of fire. So that they arranged the entire camp around the tent of meeting, around the tabernacle. So that at every moment of an Israelite's life, whether they were journeying or they were setting up camp, their eyes were fixed upon that center point of their life. God was with them. 
That's what it means to be the people of God, that God is with us. No wonder we rehearse this liturgically. It's one of those strange things that happens as people join Anglican communities. They get used to that exchange. Someone says, the Lord be with you, and everyone says, and also with you. It's one of those strange bits of our liturgical life together. And we can forget the significance. Oh yeah, every time someone says, the Lord be with you, and also with you. But truly, it's us rehearsing one to another to remind each other of who we fundamentally are. We are a people whom God has chosen to be with. This is grace, that God chooses to be with us. Lo, Jesus says, I'm with you always to the end of the age. But see, like Mary, the church is not only filled with the grace of God's presence, he's with us, but also like Mary, the church is filled with the grace of God's purpose. Mary's purpose, verse 31 of Luke chapter one, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary's purpose is to bear into the world the Christ, the true king. And in a world full of darkness, in a world desperately in need of a true king. In the words of Isaiah chapter nine, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, on them light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is Mary's purpose. And it's our purpose as the church to bear the same, to live our lives in such a way, both in word and in deed, that the king is born, is pronounced, is declared, is proclaimed before the nations. And this king is unlike any other king. This king will teach the world what true kingship is. As we read in Luke chapter 23, verse 38, that as he hung there, the Christ, Jesus, on the cross, bearing the sins of his subjects, there also is an inscription over him declaring what this picture means. This is the king of the Jews. This is the picture of true leadership and kingship in our world. The one who will pour out his life for others. And we, in word and deed, in our lives, bear him before the world. Now, if we're honest, and this is the moment when we can start getting a little discouraged. This is the moment in the sermon you can say, well, great, I, I can believe all this, that I, like Mary, am called to bear the king before the world. But then we start doing an evaluation and start saying, well, how much am I doing this in my life? 
you know, really? What percentage? How effective? How much of an impact am I making? Right, we, we can go through this exercise. And here's the problem. We do this because we're Americans. Or Westerners. North Americans. The Brits do this too. Oh, the Australians do this all the time. It's individualism. See, the challenge we have is when we read passages like this and think, oh, well, it's okay. I, like Mary, am called to bear Christ in the world. But we don't think in terms of the church as a whole. We think of ourselves as individuals. What am I doing? How do I evaluate myself in my commitment and my ability to bear Christ in the world? That's not what this is saying. It is the church as a whole that bears the king to the world. It is the church together as a united body, individual members, together we bear the king before the world. As 1 Corinthians chapter 12 reminds us, for the, one, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. You live into this purpose. I live into this purpose of bearing Christ among the nations as a member of the church. The one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Together we are bearing Christ to the nations. And therefore we are all joined together in every one of those victories. Every one of those moments when Christ is declared. It's the church together that rises up to celebrate Here's what I mean. Not many people know the name, I don't even know it, I gotta look it up, Albert McMakin. Not many people know the name Albert McMakin. They, they don't. He, he was a 24-year-old who was converted to Jesus, uh, who got excited about inviting his friends to church. There was an evangelism event going on and so he got a few of his friends to come and there was one friend that just would not come. He refused to come to this evangelism event and so Albert McMakin um, said to him, okay, would you just at least drive the van? Like you drive us there. And, and this reluctant friend said, fine, I'll drive the van. I'm not particularly keen to come in. I'll just drive the van. But the friend didn't stay in the van, he snuck in the back of the church once it began and listened to the message and gave his life to Christ. And this man has preached the gospel to more people in history than any other man because that man's name was Billy Graham. Here's the point about what it means to be part of the body. Every person who would subsequently be converted at a Billy Graham crusade, Albert McMakin was part of it. That's what it means to be part of the one body. As we contribute, as we offer our time, our talent, and our treasures 
to the purposes of Christ. We together as the church declare the Christ among the nations. We are one body, the body of Christ, and individual members of that body together. So the next time you feel like you're not contributing to the life of the world, that you're not bearing Christ in a powerful and effective way, remember who you are. You are a member of the body of Christ. And your contributions, as small as you may think they are, are part of the whole of how this world is being changed. Like Mary, the church is filled with the grace of God's presence and the grace of God's purpose. And like Mary, the church is filled with the grace of God's power. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the child to be born to you shall be called Holy, the Son of God. For even your cousin Elizabeth has also given birth, has also conceived a son. And it is the sixth month for she who was said to be barren, for nothing is impossible with God. That's what the power of God is. That nothing is impossible with this divine, supernatural power coming into our lives. As Romans 5, 5 says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. We, the church, like Mary, have the church fill us to accomplish what we could never accomplish on our own. See, I believe there's really two, fundamentally two different types of Christians, two kinds of Christians in this world. There are those who believe God is actively moving and working and interacting in this world. And there are those who don't really believe that. This Sunday, our collect is the stir-up collect. It's famous. For over a thousand years, Christians have prayed this collect. Stir up, O Lord, your power, and with great might come among us. Stir up, O Lord, your power. In Latin, I love it, it's excita. Excita, Domine. Excite in us, O God. Shake up in us, O God. Stir up in us, O God, your power and come among us. O Lord, move. Work among your people. We believe that you come to your people in power. It's so easy in a technologically heavy world, in the world we live of, of so much comfort to Forget regularly that without the power of God, we can do nothing. We can get duped into believing that we really actually stand on our own two feet and we make it all happen. But the power of God is what takes a nobody and makes a somebody's. A God who takes nothing and makes something out of it. There's those moments when we see the power of God 
so clearly. And, and those are the moments we need to remember and tell others about. When Monica and I were in the discernment process to come to Christ Church during the search process, there was a critical moment when after a few online interviews and the rest, we got a call from the wardens saying, we want to chat with you some more about the search process to coming to Christ Church Plano. And Monica and I were in Cambodia at the time doing mission work. And at first I thought, well, I guess we'll just have to put this off. But I just felt the sense of we've got to have this call. So we did the research to find the one place in Phnom Penh, the capital of Cambodia, the one place where there was enough broadband Wi-Fi that we could do a video call. And so we went there and it was 13 hour time difference. And we sat there alone in the top level of this cafe. And we had the video call with the wardens and we were told in that call essentially that come on down for a face-to-face interview. It's looking more and more like you may be the candidate. And we were just floored. And, and once we shut the computer, the one other person in the cafe walked over to us and he said, I couldn't help but overhearing your conversation. And I said, yeah. And he said, are you talking about moving to Plano, Texas? And we said, uh, yes. And he said, that's so weird. I'm from Plano, Texas. The one guy in the coffee shop in Cambodia. And you know what he did? He sat down at our table for the next 30 minutes and told us all about living in Plano. It was like an angel from God sent in that moment to tell us all about living in Plano, how he was traveling the world and he was planning on coming back to Plano one day to raise a family. What a great place to live. And we walked away from that moment with a clear sense of the power of God stirring, stirring within us. In the words of the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is on the move. Or in the words of St. Paul in 1 Thessalonians, our gospel came to you not only in word, but in power and in the Holy Spirit. Mary bore the Christ into the world because she was filled with God's grace. God filled her with the grace of his presence, his purpose, and his power. And we, the church today, follow after Mary's pattern. We today, in this dark and broken world, are bearing the Christ. Not because we're something, but because he's filled us with something. His grace, his presence, the Lord is with us. Wherever we go, purpose, bearing the king before the world in small ways and in big ways in every part of our lives as the church together and filling us with the grace of his power. Power stirred up within his people, enabling us to do more than we could ask or imagine. Mary was able to say yes. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Every time 
we, the people of God, gather, we have an opportunity to yet again say yes. Freshly filled, freshly sent. Behold, we are the servants of the Lord. Let it be to us as you have said. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.